We're back. All right. Season two of the student section podcast, the college football show by the fan for the fan. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. This is episode 19. Today is Wednesday, the 2nd of August, 2023. Remember, until the season starts, we're going to try and drop new episodes every single Wednesday and every single Friday in order to get all our previews and discussion in before the college football season starts. You can follow us on Instagram at student section CFB, or you can read our blog for more content online at thestudentsection.net. You can also find every single episode of the podcast on that website. Subscribe to the show and rate the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all your favorite platforms. We are now on YouTube as well. Be sure to download. And with all that out of the way, all the shameless plugging and whatnot, welcome back to the Student Section Podcast, folks. Season two of our show after a brief summer hiatus in between college basketball and college football season. But we're back for the first time. Listeners, welcome for the returning listeners. It is my pleasure to have you back. And just a quick reminder to what this show is. For those of you who might be joining us for the first time, this is essentially just 20, 30, 40 minutes of unfiltered, unscripted college football talk. Absolutely no other substance to it whatsoever. There's no script in front of me. Just a couple stats, just a couple predictions. We like to wing it around here. We like to make a show that's by the fan, for the fan. And that is what we are going to continue to do here in 2023. With that being said, it's preview season. Just like we did last year, we are going to dedicate episodes to previewing every single conference before the college football season starts. We've got eh, just a, I'd say just under a month to go, 20 some odd days. And we are going to start with the ACC today. We've got the conference schedule. We've got the biggest games. We've got all conference teams. We've got power rankings. We've got all the biggest storylines. You name it, everything ACC, you're going to be an expert on the conference by the end of this episode, so stay tuned for that, folks. Remember, Wednesdays and Fridays, we are going to preview the Big Ten next, and then presumably the Big 12 following that, although I may flip-flop the two, I'll let you know. Follow on Instagram to know. And with that being said, folks, let's kick things off with the ACC. I don't want to waste any more time. Let's jump right into the preview. So it's officially ACC preview time and we're going to do all these conference previews structured a very similar way. I'm going to give a quick table of contents before we get things underway. If you're watching on YouTube, I might stick the timestamps up on the screen or leave them in the description of the podcast elsewhere so you can skip around to your favorite part or skip around to what you might need to know about the conference. We're going to lead things off first with a quick state of the conference, which basically details everything that the conference may be going to on the business side, whether it's expansion, the loss of teams, media deals, rumors, you name it, all that business-related stuff. Then we're going to skip to the three biggest storylines in the conference for the upcoming year. That's part two. Part three is going to be the biggest games on the schedule that are going to shape the conference. We're going to go through every team's schedule, pick out some of the biggest possible games. Then we're going to skip over to the conference all, or I should say all conference teams preseason. After that, we are going to go to the all conference selections by team, break down which team has the most all conference selections. Then we're going to segue over to our power rankings, which is what we will conclude with and presumably what will take the most time out of the episode. 
All right. So it's state of the conference time and the ACC is in such a unique boat when it comes to this. And before I get into all that, I just wanted to say those of you who listened to last year's previews and read them on the blog might have noticed that this state of the conference section wasn't here before. However, the ever-changing nature of the sport has made it so difficult for the casual fan to keep up with things like the transfer portal, conference realignment, media deals, all this stuff. So for that reason, every one of these preview episodes is now going to have a state of the conference section right at the beginning to update you on the current status and overall health of different conferences and teams. And the ACC is in a bit of a peculiar position in the grand scheme of the whole conference realignment thing as they're one of the few major leagues that is committed to keeping their membership static for the time being. Despite a lot of programs within their geographical range packing their bags for bigger and better conferences, the ACC is all set to trot out the same 14 schools that have taken the field since their most recent expansion in 2014. With that being said, however, the ACC certainly hasn't gone without its fair share of rumors since Texas and Oklahoma kicked off the whole conference realignment deal earlier this year. There have been rumblings about schools like Florida State, Miami, Clemson, and others seeking a way out of the ACC and potentially admission into the new SEC or Big Ten Super Conference in recent weeks, although those rumors remain largely unverifiable with no official announcements being made. Now, with that being said, it wouldn't be incredibly far-fetched for the ACC's top dogs and big moneymakers to want out going forward as the conference's foremost members are currently projected, this is per Bleacher Report, projected to bring in around $30 million less than the Big Ten and SEC counterparts. Money is certainly the most pertinent issue on the minds of these athletic departments and ADs and teams, but despite that, Commissioner Jim Phillips seemed relatively complacent with his conference's position in the whole grand scheme of things, and he said, I quote, Third is certainly a good position, but we want to gain and gain traction financially in order to slowly bridge the gap with the SEC and the Big Ten, who have leapfrogged everyone. Overall, this conference is in a solid place, assuming that none of the teams leave, which who knows at this point. But from what we know definitively, none of the teams are set to leave the ACC instantly. So Commissioner Jim Phillips is saying he's okay with his position in third place in the whole college football hierarchy. And that's fine, but things could get very hectic very fast going forward if you're not actively pursuing expansion, you actively don't have a backup plan. So the last thing I'll say for this whole state of the conference section is the ACC should proceed down this route of sort of perpetual satisfaction with extreme caution because it could get very ugly very quick if you do not have a plan in place to expand. So that's all the annoying business stuff out of the way. Now let's talk about actual football. And part two of this is going to be my three biggest ACC storylines to watch heading into the 2023 season. And we're going to lead things off with Clemson, the Tiger Kings, the top dogs. And I'm going to preface this by saying all great empires must crumble at some point. And Clemson's sort of prolonged dominance over this conference has given way to this national stigma, whether it's true or not. This this national stigma of smugness and vanity that now surround the program again, whether it's true or untrue in light of Clemson's recent dominance over the conference, seven, uh, seven of the last eight conference titles, no more than three losses in a season over that span. The lower the basement dwellers of the conference 
there's sort of been an appetite for change that's grown amongst them. And these teams are now ready to storm the gates. They smell blood in the water. Clemson hasn't made the playoffs in two years. There has never been a more opportune time for a changing of the guard. Notable suitors for the throne include up-and-comers such as Florida State, Miami, um, North Carolina, who have all spent the last decade or so trying to emulate Clemson, trying to be like Dabo Sweeney. And the question is, now that Clemson might be on the ropes a little bit, it's been two years since they've been on the grandest stage in the sport, do these teams finally have what it takes to overthrow the perennial powerhouse? I always say, in order to be the man, you've got to beat the man. And I'm not counting Clemson out by making this one of my top storylines per se. And as I said, the ACC runs through Death Valley until a new top dog manages to emerge from the squalor and beat Clemson. However, I think it's worth noting that the ACC's decision to ditch divisions this year could cause some unprecedented late season drama and make for a much more enticing title game than usual as well. So I don't know if this year is the year, but for all of these teams that have been on the doorstep of knocking off Clemson for a while, there's no better opportunity than now. So our first storyline was about the ACC's current top dog. The next one is going to be about the ACC's next potential top dog, that being Florida State. You guys remember hashtag fire Mike Norvell? Remember when that was the number one hashtag on Twitter about two years ago after the whole Travis Hunter fiasco when he ditches FSU on signing day? Well, ever since then, the Seminoles have been on a red hot recruiting stretch to very nicely complement their first 10 win season since, I believe, 2016. Now a decade removed from their third and most recent national title, the question on everyone's minds about this team is, were the Knolls a one-hit wonder, or can they return to their familiar status as the ACC's top program? The roster has certainly never been more primed to do so, as Mike Norvell and company have surrounded Jordan Travis, the Heisman hopeful, with an embarrassment of riches in terms of skill players. So the question now becomes, can Norvell throw his hat into the ring with the nation's best rebuilders? Can Florida State ascend a national title contender status? It is officially put up or shut up time for this team in 2023. So my third and final storyline here is about a team that's in a lot more questionable of a position than Florida State, a team that really doesn't know what direction they could be going in the near future. That is North Carolina. There's a growing concern on Chapel Hill that college football as a sport might be outgrowing the great Mac Brown, who will be 72 by the time UNC takes the field this season. Brown has been on the sidelines for 33 years, and he's developed a reputation in recent years about being, you know, especially outspoken about the new era of lucrative NIL deals, constant upheaval in the transfer portal, often citing his own refusal to play into those trends and utilize NIL collectives to attract recruits. Although his days as a head coach may be numbered, his Tar Heels have a very unique opportunity to set their program on the right course and make some noise in 2023. Obviously, future NFL quarterback Drake May, back for an encore, fresh off a campaign that saw him post 4,300 yards and 38 touchdowns. Heels were top uh, top 25, excuse me, in total offense as well. They averaged 35 points a game on top of ranking amongst the fastest pace units in the sport. Whenever you have Drake May, you're going to have a fighting chance to win. And although this team's window of opportunity is certainly smaller than most, a conference title or a major bowl win, or if we're really dreaming here, a playoff uh, appearance in 2023, could set them on a track towards continued success. But 
Vice versa, a bad season where they underwhelm and underperform could set the program back five years. So those are my top three storylines for the conference heading into 2023. Now, after perusing the schedules up and down, I'm going to give you some key games that you have to watch that will shape the ACC. The first of which isn't even an ACC game. It's the season opener between Florida State and LSU in Orlando on September 3rd. This is an interesting one because Florida State has ridden the offseason media hype train all the way back to national prominence, and the Knowles could easily have their playoff hopes sink to the bottom of the ocean or skyrocket to the moon against a strong LSU team in week one. I love these marquee matchups early in the season. LSU should be a preseason top 10 team. I expect Florida State to be the same, whether it's 10 to 15 or top 10. This is a game that could make or break your season on the very first week. I love these early season matchups. It shows so much confidence in your program when you schedule them. It shows that you're not afraid. I cannot wait for that game. Moving on, my second biggest game is another, and by the way, these aren't in any order, but my second biggest game is between Florida State and Clemson on the 23rd of September. If these two teams are able to navigate through their early season tests, and a couple, they have a couple tough games, then this late September matchup could very well be a preview of December's conference title game now that divisions are no longer in the picture. This game has such a master student aura written all over it with the experience of Dabo Sweeney, the wide-eyed Mike Norvell, the younger Mike Norvell, and these guys now have rosters of a similar caliber for really the first time as adversaries. Just the underlying dynamic here, I absolutely love it. I think it'll make for an awesome game. It's what we thought we had last year with Dabo Sweeney and um, Dave Doran over at NC State, but... They didn't pose much of a test to Clemson at all. Moving on, number three on my list here is October the 14th, Miami at UNC. And these are two teams that are so similar to me, and I'll talk about it in my power rankings more. They've sort of been the conference's two perpetual underachievers since Clemson's reign over the conference began almost 10 years ago. Mac Brown has been praised as the architect destined to mold UNC into a contender but he hasn't had a 10-win season yet. And meanwhile, Miami has had several coaches that have promised to bring back the U, restore one of the all-time great programs in the history of the sport, and none of them have been able to do it. But as I said in my UNC storyline, there's sort of a different aura around these two programs heading into 2023, as their usual preseason hype has sort of dissipated into this, all right, no more hype, you've got to go out there and prove it. There's no more people out there saying like last year saying that Miami is a national title contender. Miami is going to be in the playoff. These are going to be two teams that are going to be either unranked or towards the bottom half of the rankings at the start of the season. They're middle of the pack in the conference power rankings a little bit towards the top. They now have to shut up and prove it. There's no more noise. There's a quiet confidence. There's no more media. They've all flocked towards teams like Florida state and Clemson. And for that reason, I think this game between Miami and UNC could sort of determine which of these programs has that breakout season. Now, last game I want to talk about before we jump into the preseason all ACC teams is um, November the 4th, Notre Dame at Clemson. And there's no secret as to why this one is important. Notre Dame used this matchup to absolutely de uh, decimate Clemson's playoff bid in one fell swoop last year. So this one will be circled on every calendar in 2023. Notre Dame, sort of a de facto member of the ACC by now, 
an ACC member in practice, if you will. They have a long history of crashing the party when it comes to this conference's top dogs, and they could be on the move to the ACC in the near future, depending on how the Big Ten realignment goes. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. But that's all I've got for scheduling. Uh, scheduling. Those were my four games that I think will really shape the ACC in 2023. Now let's move on to my preseason All-ACC teams. So with the preseason All-ACC teams, because we have so much to get through, I'm not going to give much rationale, if any, for each of my selections. I did first-team offense, first-team defense, and first-team specialist. I've got a quarterback, two running backs, three wideouts, a tight end, and five offensive linemen on offense. On defense, two interior defensive linemen, two edge rushers, three linebackers, three defensive backs, and a safety. And then obviously for specialists, a kicker, a punter, and a returner. So with offense, we're going to start off quarterback Drake May, North Carolina. My two running backs are Will Shipley of Clemson and Trey Benson of Florida State. My three wideouts are Florida State's Johnny Wilson, UNC's Tez Walker, and Virginia Tech's Allie Jennings III. At tight end, I know he's kind of listed as a receiver, but he's built like a tight end. I've got Aronde Gadsden the second out of Syracuse. My two offensive tackles are Miami's Zion Nelson and Duke's Graham Barton. My two offensive guards are Christian Mahogany of Boston College and Javion Cohen of Miami. And then my center is Miami's Matt Lee. That's three Hurricanes on the offensive line. Defense, my two interior defenders are Dwayne Carter of Duke and Tyler Davis of Clemson. On the edge, I've got Jared Verse of Florida State, the best defensive player in the conference, and Akeem Mesador of Miami. My three linebackers are Cedric Gray of UNC, Jeremiah Trotter of Clemson, and Barrett Carter of Clemson, by far one of my favorite linebacking duos in the country. At corner, I've got Fentrell Cypress II of Florida State, Aiden White of NC State, MJ Devonshire of Pittsburgh, and then rounding things out at safety, Cameron Kinchins from Miami. Really quickly, the three specialists are Ben Sauls of Pittsburgh, Daniel Sparks of Virginia, and Jalen Stinson of Duke. So that makes Miami the leader with five all-ACC selections. I just hit the mic there. Hopefully you didn't hear that. Four for Florida State, four for Clemson, three for North Carolina, three for Duke, two for Pittsburgh, one for Syracuse, NC State, BC, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. So that's it for my all ACC teams sound off in the comments. If you're watching this on YouTube or you can come argue with me on Instagram or Twitter. Always love to spark some discussion. Now we're going to move on to the meat and potatoes of this podcast. That being the power rankings. We're going to talk about the top five to seven teams in depth. And then as we get towards the back half, we're going to provide a bit less rationale just for time's sake. But you're going to get the full scoop on most, if not all these teams. All right, so it's now power rankings time, everyone's favorite time, and we're going to lead things off with a bang because Florida State is number one in my ACC power rankings for the first time I've been doing this. For the first time I've been doing this, it is anyone other than Clemson, as a matter of fact. But if you're surprised to see someone other than Clemson here, you really shouldn't be because Florida State has been building something for the past year to two and a half years in Tallahassee. They're fresh off their first 10-win campaign in seven years. They're set to return 17 starters from a well-rounded squad that finished both top 15 nationally in total offense and defense last year. And leading the way once again is fifth-year quarterback Jordan Travis, who has aspirations and definitely could head to New York as a Heisman finalist. Posted over 3,800 yards and 31 total touchdowns last year. 
set to form one of the nation's most feared three-headed monsters with tailback Trey Benson and wideout Johnny Wilson. These guys are both poised to garner All-American honors this season, and it's incredibly impressive and honestly pretty rare for a team that averaged 35.5 points per game to return eight offensive starters the following year. But even more so when you realize they posted that eye-popping number last year with a rookie offensive coordinator in Alex Atkins. Now they've got a similar core. They've gained a crucial year of experiments in that system. Experience, excuse me. This seminal unit is exhibiting all the signs of a major breakthrough in 2023. Defensively now, the bad news is that everyone knows their inability to stuff the run in short yardage situations proved to be their undoing at key points in their three losses last season. FSU surrendered 161 yards on the ground per game. That was good for 11th in the conference. The good news, they returned nine starters and acquired a list of some very highly touted transfers that are going to undoubtedly help those woes against more physical offenses that they could face down the line. Jared Verse is back. He's the conference's premier edge rusher, probably the best defender in the conference with a nine-sack effort in 2022. Fentrell Cypress is here from Virginia through the transfer portal. He's a versatile piece that's going to start at corner and defend at all three levels. This is a team that ranked top five nationally when it comes to defending the pass. Going to be very interesting to see if they can maintain their status as a true no-fly zone after losing their leader in safety, Jimmy Robinson. Overall, to sum it up for this team, if you value experience, if you tend to favor battle-tested squads that have been through the ringer, look no further than Florida State as a potential sleeper to end Clemson's reign over the ACC and crack the college football playoff for the first time since its inception. Now, here at number two, I have Clemson. As I said earlier, all great empires inevitably come crashing down at some point, but the Clemson Tigers are doing just about everything they can to fight Father Time, extend the golden age, and that all starts on the sidelines as they probably made the biggest home run hire of the offseason, picking up the Broyles award-winning Garrett Riley from TCU to call the plays going forward. This is an offense that, compared to recent years, certainly has a more youthful vibe to it heading into 2023. You've got the sophomore kid Klubnik under center, no quarterback controversy either, the electric backfield duo, Will Shipley, Phil Maffa, combined for 1,800 yards and 20 touchdowns in 2022. Both of these guys averaged over five yards a carry. They're going to run behind one of the best offensive lines in the conference, if not the country. But Clemson's success on offense this year is certainly going to hinge on their ability to develop a true number one receiver. You've got to have a go-to target for your inexperienced quarterback to lean on. And right now, when I look up and down that depth chart, I'm just not seeing that. Defensively, though, they should have absolutely no issues. One of seven defenses in the nation to surrender under 102 yards per game on the ground last year. This team is an absolute brick wall and they return many of their stars on the second level despite losing several stars on the defensive line. They were just pilfered by the NFL draft and now their focus will be off the defensive front, so to speak, in terms of their star power and into that linebacking core. You you heard me mention them earlier. It's the all-ACC duo, Barrett Carter, Jeremiah Trotter. Those two are going to be the uh, biggest names on this defense after combining for 20 tackles for loss and 11 sacks last season. The only familiar face on the front is probably interior defensive lineman Tyler Davis, 
He's going to be the rock in the middle of it all. He has made all ACC three consecutive years, going for the record of four in a row this season. And all in all for this Clemson defense, despite having a new coordinator in Wes Goodwin and a record amount of turnover, really an amount of turnover that they're not used to, especially up front. This team's front seven is still their calling card. It has been for the duration of this dynasty. Few defenses could ever survive losing four all-conference players to the NFL in a single draft cycle, but Clemson is certainly better equipped than anyone to do so. This team's defense is going to keep them in the race. Moving on to number three, this is where things get a little bit tricky. I've got North Carolina, and I say that because this is such a tricky team to predict, as I mentioned earlier in my storylines. This team is going to be must-see TV because of their lightning-quick offense, because of Drake May. You know exactly what you're getting on that side of the ball. They've restocked their uh, skill position corpse. They've got new playmakers like Tez Walker from Kent State, first-team All-ACC, Nate McCullum from Georgia Tech, and new coordinator Chip Lindsey to work with them. The Heels also have just an embarrassment of riches at the tight end position. They've got three starting caliber guys that combined for 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns in 2022. And the offensive line is perhaps in the best shape of any in the country outside of really Michigan and Georgia. Thanks to the COVID year, this ha- this offensive line is going to have four fifth and sixth year seniors on it, all of which have accumulated over a thousand snaps of experience at the college level. With the offense in its current state, Drake May should have no problem blowing up again. No problem replicating the numbers that turned him into a star a season ago. All is good on that side of the ball, but things get very interesting when you turn things around and look at that defense because things are not looking too bright. They rank dead last among ACC teams in yards allowed, dead last in points allowed, dead last in yards per carry allowed, and dead last in sacks last season. And those weren't cherry picked. Those were just the first stats that came up on team rankings. But with that being said, Last season's defense suffered tremendously from a lack of experience, a lack of continuity, a lack of leadership, and they're going to trot out a much more seasoned group with a lot of returners this year. After combining for over 200 tackles, the linebacker duo of first-team player Cedric Gray and Power Eggles will be a cornerstone of this defense, and they're going to look to build from the middle out, much like Clemson. In an effort to bolster one of the country's worst pass defenses they added two corners in the transfer portal Armani Chapman from Virginia Tech and Elijah Huzzy from East Tennessee State those guys are here from the portal to kind of shore up the secondary all things considered this is a defense that's going to take a massive leap just because it's pretty impossible to be worse than they were a season ago but I think the abundance of experience that they lacked last year is certainly going to help so for that reason I've got UNC at number three. I think they're going to be uh, able to outscore a lot of teams like they did last year. At number four, this is where things might start getting a little bit contentious because I have Miami, the U. I know. I think they're back. I said that I expect either Miami or UNC to have a breakout campaign this year, and I'm going to put my money on Mario Cristobal and the Hurricanes to at least make some semblance of progress towards that i'm not saying they're gonna take the world by storm i'm saying they're gonna make some progress towards bringing back the u in 2023 cristobal has wiped the slate clean officially and overhauled his coaching staff aiming to turn over a new leaf from a culture standpoint this roster just oozes 
too much talent to underwhelm for a second straight season, especially when a majority of their struggles in 2022 stemmed from untimely injuries. Tyler Van Dyke, ACC Rookie of the Year, 2,900 yards, 26 touchdowns two years ago, held off the field for large parts of last season with a shoulder injury, was playing hurt. All-American tackle, Zion Nelson, knee surgery, flurry of other injuries. This Hurricane offense absolutely floundered in the absence of its stars last season. 23.6 points per game, 97th nationally in total offense is hard to do. And as long as they're healthy, without even getting better, this unit is going to take a sizable leap forward, and they've got the help of a top 10 transfer class to do so. Things are still a bit murky from a playmaking standpoint, but you heard me say it earlier, three offensive linemen on the all-conference first team. This is a unit that's going to be able to compete with the best in the country from day one. Healthy Nelson back, as I said. They signed former Alabama standout Javion Cohen in the portal. They had former UCF standout Matt Lee to start at centers, one of the best in the nation. This upgraded group should go a long way in keeping Van Dyke both upright and on the field. Defensively, this is a team that's going to live by their dynamic safety duo of Cameron Kinchins, one of the best in the country, and James Williams, especially after losing a chunk of their secondary. But hey, there's good news. Kinchins, the first returning All-American on a Miami defense since 2006, and that is going to be some much-needed stability to a unit undergoing a bit of a facelift. They've got the experienced sack artist, Akeem Mesidor. He's back for another season to pressure the quarterback, which is going to do wonders for a secondary expected to start multiple transfers at cornerback. This is a team overall that started to string together strong recruiting and transfer classes in recent years. But again, we've yet to see that talent produce at the highest level. We've, le- we've yet to see them turn that talent into something worthwhile. 2023 could prove to be the breakthrough as long as their injury luck isn't nearly as bad as last year. At number five, we have Duke, one of my favorite under-the-radar teams in the country last year. Proved me right by coming out of nowhere and going 9-4. and four. By the way, those four losses were by an average of four points. That team was so close to having a double-digit win season on multiple occasions. Now, usually teams that appear out of the blue like that, pun intended, by the way, are one-hit wonders that disappear off the face of the earth the following year, but there's reason to believe that Duke is here to stay. This team returns 17 starters from last season, and obviously the most notable of the bunch will be Riley Leonard at quarterback. 3,700 yards and a top 25 QBR in the country last year. They've got preseason All-American Graham Barton to start at left tackle and protect his blind side. He's going to turn heads at the NFL level as long as Duke is able to somewhat replicate last season's success. Leonard's one of the top dual threat signal callers in the country. They went running back by committee in 2022, averaged close to five yards a carry and 31 touchdowns on the ground. In addition to that dominant ground attack, this squad also returns three of their top receivers from a season ago to kind of, I don't want to say revitalize the passing game, but certainly provide a bit of an uptick because this this team is rush centric, so to speak. You know how they're going to get a majority of their points. Defensively, Elko is one of the game's best defensive minds. You don't need me to tell you that. His fingerprints can already be seen all over this roster. 40 points per game allowed in 21, 22 in 2022. 516 yards per game allowed in 2021, 378 in 2022. Forced 26 turnovers last year, 
And this star-studded defense returns eight starters and all four of its top pass rushers. They are only going to be able to improve on those numbers. At number six, this is where I'm going to go ahead and throw NC State. And typically a team that just lost their OC and now is in the midst of a three-way quarterback controversy, there would be no, they would be nowhere near the top six of my power rankings. However, NC State is kind of the exception to the rule because they've got a generational defense on this team. They bring back the All-American Peyton Wilson, postponed a promising NFL future, withdrew from the draft for an unprecedented six seasons, started all 13 games directly in the middle last year, and he will be bolstered, so to speak, by the experienced pass rushing duo of Savion Johnson and Davin Van. Those guys are both finally 100% healthy after combining for nine sacks and both being kind of limited by injuries last season. The secondary looks like one of the nation's best on paper. They've got a, dyna- a dynamic duo of Aiden White and Shaheem Battle. They combined for 80 tackles and six picks last year, and they have an elite safety combination of Devan Boykin and Jakeen Harris, who are among the most seasoned veteran defensive backs in college football. Experience is the common denominator on this team. Speaking of, Virginia transfer Brennan Armstrong seems to be the odds-on favorite to win the job at quarterback. He's also in the sixth year of his college football career, 9,000 yards and 78 touchdowns to his name. The skill position corps are where things get murky. They're going to have to mold together around him, but this team's defense should be able to keep them in damn near any game. And as long as a few playmaking, uh, playmaking options can emerge over the course of the year, the Wolfpack are going to find themselves right in the heat of that conference title race. At number seven, I have the new kids on the block, Louisville. They've got Jeff Brom at head coach, as you know, and this offense is going to have to come together really quickly. There's going to have to be a lot of chemistry that develops over a very short course of time when it comes to this uh, Louisville team. They only bring back three starters on offense, but they've got Jeff Brom calling the plays now. A ton of turnover coming in through the transfer portal. They have a steady quarterback in Jack Plummer. He's a transfer from Cal, but Brom has restocked his receiving corpse. He's restocked the offensive line. He's rebuilt the entire skill position core, really. Oh, the one word I can use to describe this offense, because nobody really knows how good it's going to be, is just intriguing, just interesting, uh, interesting. You really don't know what you're going to get. So that for that reason, I thought it would be good to put Louisville directly in the middle of these power rankings because of our whole lack of knowing how this team is coming together. Number eight, we've got Pittsburgh or Pitt. And I know this might be a little low and should catch its fair amount of backlash. And I try to believe in Pat Narduzzi because I'm a big believer in what he does as a coach. But the offense is just too much of a work in progress for me to fully buy into this team. They're bringing back six starters, a new quarterback that's probably going to be Phil Jerkovec coming over from Boston College. They've got to replace Israel Labanacanda and Jared Wayne. They're two top playmakers. Again, this is a very similar situation to Louisville. It's going to be a bit of a new look on offense. Things are going to have to come together pretty fast. Defensively, there should be no issue. There's obviously a lot of transition, a lot of turnover. They lose top defensive lineman Kalijah Kansi. They lose their, their top linebackers. They lose safety Eric Hallett. But again, these pit teams have developed a reputation on the defensive side. There's a lot of continuity that I really, really like from this unit. So for that reason, I'm going to put them at the eight spot. I'm not bought in enough 
I can't believe in that offense enough to rank them any higher, but the defense should be very steady. Going to start going a bit quicker with these back half teams. At number nine, I have Syracuse. Garrett Schrader is sidelined with the spring due to an injury, missed a bit of summer practice. The Orange aren't going to be able to know what they're getting from this offense going into 2023 until the last possible second. We've obviously got no more Sean Tucker game recaps. He's gone. You're losing three starters in the offensive line. The strength of this team was its rushing attack last year, and now they're going to go to an offense or transition to an offense where the strength is going to have to be their vertical passing game. Obviously, Aronde Gadsden is going to be the key to that. Stand out, big body, go up and get it type guy. Defensively, the new coordinator, Ricky Long, he inherits a lot to work with. He's got eight guys coming back on that unit, but they do have to replace a couple key cogs, such as Mikel Jones, the star linebacker. But assuming that the right mix is found, this defense should not have much trouble holding up for Schrader and company. But much like a lot of other teams on this list, I'm still waiting to see the development of a couple playmaking options on the offense before I can rank them any higher or predict any significant steps forward this season. Number 10, I have Wake Forest. Went 8-5 last year, but that record is not indicative of how successful that season was because about halfway through the year, before that shootout with Clemson, they were one of the ACC's darlings. They were one of college football's darlings, really. They were expected to be that team, as we talked about in the beginning, to offset Clemson's dominance, and they gave the Tigers a run for their money, but... Things are going to be a bit tougher here in 2023, as you can probably discern from me having them so low. They obviously lose Sam Hartman to Notre Dame. They lose A.T. Perry, but their number two and three receiving options, those being Jamal Banks and Donovan Green, are both back. Starting running back Justice Ellison's also back on the offensive end, but that defense is the reason that I cannot buy in to this Wake Forest team. 13th in the conference in pass defense last year, gave up just under 30 points a game, and they lost a couple solid contributors. So I think 10 is a pretty solid spot for Wake Forest. They are basically the Walmart version of North Carolina. They're still looking for the quarterback for things to come together. They've got some solid options, but again, all-star receiving corps, all-star skill positions, but can the defense hold up or at least bend and not break to keep them in as many games as possible? I don't know. So I'm going to do something weird here and just group teams 11, 12, 13, and 14 together. Those being number 11, Virginia Tech, number 12, Georgia Tech, number 13, Boston College, number 14, Virginia, mainly because they're all kind of suffering from the same symptoms and the same problems that are going to hold them back. Starting at number 14, Virginia averaged 17 points a game on offense last season. Tony Elliott's still trying to piece that roster together. There's going to be a lot of turnover on offense. They probably aren't going to be able to score many points. Boston College, same deal. They have Christian Mahogany back, the All-American guard, but they lost Phil Jerkovec. They gave up 46 sacks last year. Going to be very, very, I don't want to say hard to come by when it comes to scoring, but I'm struggling to think of another word when it comes to Boston College. Same thing, number 12, Georgia Tech. They have a three-way quarterback controversy. Texas A&M trains for Haynes King, who was shockingly inept last year, is probably the leader. They don't have that many playmakers at receiver. Again, scoring points, going to be very tough for this team. And then at number 11, there's Virginia Tech. They averaged 4.7 yards per play last year, lost a bunch of top assistants, 
for that reason, these four teams all rank near the bottom of these power rankings. Solid defenses are uh, certainly a commonality between this quartet of programs, but I just can't get behind their offenses enough to rank them any higher. So those are my four bottom dwellers for the ACC this year. So that does it. That rounds out my ACC power rankings, and that also rounds out our 2023 ACC preview episode. Folks, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the show. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all your favorite platforms. Remember, new episodes Wednesdays and Fridays until the college football season gets kicked off. We're going to be tuning in Friday with either the Big Ten or the Big 12. I will be sure to let you know. Find us on the blog. There will be a written version of our ACC preview and all of our previews after that on the studentsection.net. And be sure to follow us on Instagram for daily graphics, polls, posts, interactive content, student section CFB at student section CFB. That is without further ado, folks, I can't say my usual outro because the season has not started. So until then, take care and God bless. (laughs) 